Who has had a who has had a good week? Put your hand up. Who has had a terrible week? Terrible week. It's fine to put your hand up. Doesn't matter what it is. We're not going to ask you what it is. The amazing thing is that God is unchanging. God is unchanging, whether you have a good or bad week. And I just, as I was sitting there, I felt God just speak to me and said, "Dan, show everyone how good I am." And I think uh, we, we are. It's a bit uh, few less people today, and I think that's a good thing because I think God wants to get, actually get intimate with us today, and He wants us to to engage Him. He wants us to to uh, to see more of who He is, and um. And today I'm talking, so you can turn your Bibles to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. We have been going through this book for a while, and hopefully we'll be done by the end of December. But it's probably unlikely, because um, we've obviously got the Christmas thing. Just for me, this is a perfect opportunity to invite people who don't know Jesus, okay? This night is not going to, we're not going to... Uh, it's, it's going to be almost non-threatening. It's going to be great Christmas carols. I'm going to maybe share like a five, ten minute message on the meaning of Christmas. We're not going to get people to walk to the front and uh, do an altar call or anything like that. It really is a moment to... So if, if I can encourage you to invite one colleague, one friend, at least. If you can invite 10, 15, 30. Um, again, we've got a, a mother's area, which I think Carl is mother's and father's area. Uh, if we could just keep that door closed, that'll be ideal. And also, if your kids want to come through, just give them a no. Okay. Um, honestly, guys, I, I, for me, this is one of the cultures that I think we really need to understand as a church, that this church grows through you guys. And, this, and, and lives are changed. We had a girl that got saved two weeks ago. Uh, this, this past week, led a, led a young man to the Lord. And it was, for me, an amazing thing. That is what the church is about. And it's, and it's opportunities like this. That we can invite people to say, listen, you, don't, you can say city lights, whatever. You can, you can even get them here cov- uh, like undercover. You know what I mean? You don't have to say it's a church. City lights, oh, what is that? That is like, oh, it's a cool, cool bunch of people. And uh, they're going to be putting on some good music. And it's going to be a great night. And even invite friends from other churches. Who knows, they may get saved as well. And that's what I'm talking about today. <laughs> um, talking on religion, okay? Bono said this. Billy Graham said Religion is when God moves away and men make a set of rules to fill his space. I think for me that's one of the best definitions of what religion is. It's, it's, underst- it's, not, it's, it's, it's not understanding who the living God is. It's not understanding that we can encounter on a day-to-day basis the living God. Um, and that's another question I wanted to ask. I'm not going to ask everyone to put up their hand. But just think about when you last engaged with God. Genuinely. Not just... Oh, cool, someone sent me a scripture. Oh, wow, that is great. But actually, when last did I get on my knees, or it doesn't have to be, we're out taking a prayer walk, whatever it is, when last did I engage with God? And can I say, and another thing I wrote you, I feel that over the city and over us is like a spirit of distraction. And we need to fight that. And the way we fight that is putting disciplines in place. It's waking up and saying, even though I don't feel like it, I, I, I know that my life depends on engaging God. My marriage depends on it. And I can tell you, and I've said this before, we have priority lists and God gets put last. And I, I thing that we have to realize that anything that is put before God is put in idol. Modern day idols is job, family, cars, uh, success, 
careers, whatever it is. Those, those are modern-day idols. Even we, it's, it's kind of like that. Everyone looks at the door when something happens. Okay? That's, that's, kind of, that's the life we live in the city. There's so many things that are, that are vying for our time. And I've come this week and I thought, it's enough. Enough. I'm tired of living because what happens then is that we actually just start to come to church religiously and we don't come to church to actually meet with the living God. And I think we need to engage God on a daily basis. But how much more when we get together? This, this place, this ground is not holy, but we are the saints of God. We are the blood washed. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are blood washed by God. You are made completely clean, completely pure by Him. Where is that? Rams, would you mind bringing that whiteboard? I'm going to be drawing pictures today. We're going back to Sunday school. Okay, let me get to my notes. Let it never be said of city lights that God has left the building. Ever. Never, honestly, it's something that I contend and I, and I, and I fight for in the place of prayer. And, uh, and I think God, God has a, an incredible future for us as a church. But if, if the core that I think God has been developing over the, the past couple of years, if we're not engaging God, and not, and not actually, and whatever your circumstance, you may, be, you may feel God is a million miles away. He's not. Whether you've had a bad week, a good week, an okay week, and a week that you don't really, it's just been an average whatever. God is right there. So, Philippians 3, it says, finally, my brothers. Isn't it interesting that pastors always say that? That uh, this is exactly halfway through the book, and Paul is writing finally. It's like a pastor going, Listen, we've got an, I'm about to land. You know that you've got another 30 minutes on the preach. Okay. Um, it says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Um, again, whatever your circumstance, we, we need to learn to, to cultivate a culture of praise. If we, I just think of that, that verse where it says that if, if you can't run with men on foot, now I'm paraphrasing because I, I need to actually get the exact verse, what the, the words say. But if you can't run on man on foot, how can you run with horses? And I, it's just the sense of like, if, if, if little things distract you, how are you going to ever walk into your calling? How are you ever going to walk into what God has for you? And Real and I were talking about it, and I just said, you know, like over the past two months, there's been obviously not having a venue distraction, and some people have, have kind of fallen off and whatever. And he says, and we're just saying together, it's like, imagine when real persecution comes to the church. Imagine, I, like, I, I wonder, I wonder if we'll be scattered down to four or five people. It's just, and I think we, we need to learn as Christians to be resilient. We need to learn to not go based on our feelings, but go based on what the Word of God says. What, and we, we almost, we're talking with a couple this week, just put principles in your life. Like, we said a thing, we go to church on, on, on a Friday, no matter what happens. No matter what happens, we go there, not because we're on a full seat, but because I know that in that moment, I'm taking my eyes off myself. And I'm putting them on Jesus. I'm learning about His Word. I'm learning how to grow in Him. Um, we must always rejoice in all times. Give praise to God. To write to you the same things, still 3 verse 1, is no trouble to me and is safe for you. They say a, the sign of a good teacher is to repeat. Now they're saying anyone who's involved in public speaking, there's this stat that goes like this. It says that you retain 25% of what you have heard, if I to speak today, if you hear it twice. So, realistically, you guys are holding today about 10%, maybe. Clint, 4 to 5%, maybe. Um, Rams, <laughs> don't worry. 
I'll give you my notes. I'm teasing. Um, that's why we believe in, in shorter preaching. 30 to 35 minutes, I try to stick to it. Is that, because in reality, like, I want you to go home with one idea today. And if you can think of anything, is that religion is when God has left. If you can remember that in your mind. Religion, when you just start doing the works of God without the love of God, it's almost, it's like decaf coffee, okay? It's, it's, it has the form of a coffee, but it has no power inside of it. It's, it's a, it's, to be honest, it's a waste of time. It's just bitter water, okay? You must have, with caffeine, it even tastes better. And I won't even tell you the process of how they get the beans to decaf. It actually takes all the nutrients and it takes all the flavor out of it. So just stick, rather not have coffee. Anyway, okay. That, for me, religion, Paul says, he says, it's a form of godliness, but it denies its power. So you can act godly, but you're not understanding that God is living inside of you. So you can do godly things, but not understand that actually the living king came he uh, he came to earth as a man he died in our place the substitutionary atonement okay there's a big word for you but basically it means this and i'm going to draw you a nice little picture is this paper there we go let's call this guy rum okay because he's got big shoulders and a cool little hairstyle cheekbones, whatever, okay, green pants, okay, um, there's Rom, Rom is a sinful man, okay, so sin is generally, let's look at it as black, okay, so let's just say there was sin all over his body, Rom was a, was a Buddhist before he became a believer, his eyes were, were blocked, he could not see the goodness of God, can everyone see that, it's a work of art. Okay, so that's pretty messed up. Okay, so that, Romans 3.23 says that we, are all, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means that we are all absolutely, we're dead to God. Our spirits are dead to Him. So there's no way of us interacting with Him. The Bible, uh, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, the life. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to communicate with God, and it's through Jesus Christ. That's why we're, as Christians we talk about, are you saved or not? Because that, that salvation moment takes you from this to you have the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't want to insult Jesus. I'm going to try to draw him as nice as I can. He always has a kind of a hipster type beard. There's Jesus. Then he always have like long hair. Okay. And then they always portray him in as a robe. I mean, I wonder if we get to heaven and Jesus said, I never wore a white robe. But, uh, and I never had orange hair. You know what I mean? So it's just, you just never know what Jesus is actually going to look like. So there's Jesus. Okay, this is the resurrected Christ. He came to earth, lived an absolutely sinless life. He, was the, he, he came fully man, fully God. He came uh, born of a virgin. There's a new race, a new line, a new Adam that we, can, that we come under once we believe in Jesus Christ. So he had this dirty... This dirty Ramesh, Dan, Ramsey, Bruce, Katya, everyone, we this. We sins God. Jesus comes, lives an absolutely white, spotless, pure life. Then, this is really Sunday school stuff, but we are learning. Okay. Through simply believing in Jesus Christ, Rom, 
with his cool hair. Um, that doesn't really look like him at all, but anyway. Rom is now spotless and pure because of Jesus Christ. Simple. That's how simple the gospel is. We, we started out dirty, messed up. Uh, every single one of us starts at the same level playing field where we are, we are just jacked up. We don't, we, there's no hope for us. Jesus come lives a spotless life. It says that there's a substitutionary atonement, which basically means where I should have hung on the cross, or in modern day terms, where I should have been electrocuted to death because this, the wages of sin is death. Jesus stood in my place, and we, through simply believing Him, this miracle happens, a transaction takes place where His righteousness becomes our righteousness. We, we now get the righteousness of God. It's unfair. It's scandalous. It's the love of God. It's the grace of God. None of us deserve it. And I think that's the first place we have to start with religion. And I was going to get there much later. It says this. I write to you, look out for the dogs. This is verse 2. Look out for the evildoers, evil those who mutilate the flesh. And it's, it's not three different groups. It's actually three different names that Paul gives to the religious people. And now a point to learn out of there is that it's often not the people outside of the church who are the biggest threat. It's sometimes the people inside the church. And Paul realized this. Wherever he went and preached this unadulterated, unbridled goodness, grace of God, that you do nothing to deserve it, you can add nothing to your salvation, what used to follow them always was, uh, was the Judaizers, which were, were a bunch of legalists, which basically said, okay, cool, we're cool with Jesus, but we have to add a whole bunch of stuff onto that. And he, he refers them to dogs. Now, in, in Hebrew culture, that immediately they would have understood that to be not, uh, not a cute little cuddly dog. Uh, uh, Ram and Nushi have these dogs that you can mop the floor with. They really are cute. Um, and, I, and I mean, even Mark and Janine got these little, they're honestly the size of a pencil. It's, it's the tiniest dogs ever. It's not that when they talk about dogs. It's those dogs when you go into Sri Lanka or into to Africa where they've, they've grown up on the streets. And they're literally, you don't know they're there, and they just sneak out, and they just yap at you, and they bite you. And the funny thing is that, uh, that the Jews, um, the Jews the, 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 these Judaizers, these almost hypocritical legalists, used to call Gentiles, like you and I, they used to call them dogs. So Paul flips it on his head and says, actually, watch out for those dogs. They mutilate the flesh. Now, if you look at the, the another word for that is the mutilation. And basically, he's referring back to... Um, where Elijah and the prophets of Baal on top of the mountain, and uh, there's, there's, this, there's this showdown going down where Elijah says, is going to call fire from heaven. He says, listen, pour water on everything, and Jesus, God comes with his consuming fire, consumes up the offering, consumes the water, gone. And then, the, obviously, the, the prophets of Baal started cutting themselves. They started mutilating themselves. And that's what religion ultimately does. Who's ever been to a monastery, some form of monastery in their lives? I went to a monastery uh, when we were in high school. This was kind of just before I got saved or just when I was saved. And I remember walking there and then they had on the wall, they had framed whips. But like whips with like little like nails on the end. Those were hectic things. And basically what it was is that these Franciscan monks, this was in Natal somewhere uh, in South Africa, they used to, when they sinned or thought a bad thing, they would, they would take time of penance and they would just whip themselves for days. And I'm like, it's, that is making... A mockery of this, the sufficiency of Christ 
death on the cross. He was absolutely perfect. The Bible says that through just believing in him, we carry his righteousness. Repenting of our sins, following Jesus, becoming a disciple. He, he, it, we, it's, you get this, this divine exchange from our sin to his sinless body. So Paul, Paul writes about these dogs and he says, and I don't know if you've ever sat around quite religious people. They do. They, they tend to yap like dogs. And they kind of, they attack you out of nowhere. They might even throw scripture at you. And it's just, they, under, they don't understand the love of God. The amazing thing that Paul's tone, if you look at Philippians 1 and 2, is very loving, it's, it's great. Then all of a sudden it changed to being very strong. We're the same, like for me, we, I've said this so many times, come as you are, don't stay as you are. We want, we want sinners in this church. We want people who, who understand that they are sinners, that, they, that they're messing up, but they, they, they're putting their faith on a loving God and we expect change after that. But we don't want religious people. And the only way we, go, we just ask you to go, because that's just, for me, it doesn't build a church that Jesus is coming back for. See, what they used to do, and this is what they were famous for, if you go read the whole book of Galatians, is that they, their main kind of swan song was circumcision. Okay, So I don't know how these guys walked around. Basically, they said, okay, cool, we get saved, but now you have to be circumcised. Okay, so guys... That should bring a bit of cringe factor. Because can you imagine, I don't know how these guys actually operated. Maybe they had scissors in their back pocket. And they were just like, okay, you got saved. Okay, cool, it's time. We're going to take you in the back room. We're going to circumcise you. Now, the whole thing of circumcision, it actually was a sign, a covenant sign that happened with Abraham. But it actually happened after Abraham was saved. It says that he believed and he was credited with righteousness. Then God said to him, go circumcise. I don't know if he circumcised himself. I can't remember the story. But he got circumcised. At that, at that stage, he was an old man. Okay. But it was a covenant sign for the people of Israel. But what started happening in the New Testament that people who grew up with a Jewish tradition thought, okay, cool, we're saved by Jesus, but we're going to start adding a whole bunch of things onto it. And I think, for me, it's, I think as believers, we've been adding and subtracting stuff away. We can do it all the way to heaven. We actually we just mean to focus on Jesus Christ. It says, uh, religion never sees the sufficiency of Christ. Religion never sees the sufficiency of Christ. Galatians 6.15 says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. You think, okay, how does that affect us today? We don't, especially how yeah, there's not many Jewish people around. Okay. Uh, for me, it, it means this, is that when you get saved, people portray what Christianity should look like, and you think, okay, if I act like that, that makes me a Christian. For example, uh, I've got a chair somewhere. I have a whole bunch of don't do. So I get saved and I cut out smoking, I cut out drinking. I don't watch over 13 movies unless they're portraying Jesus. Uh, we, uh, and then what about what I do? I, I memorize scripture, I live a moral life, I listen to Christian music only from 1980 to 1994 because after that it got a bit weird and a bit too rocky. So it has to be very kind of hymn-based so, so we, we kind of portray a certain style of Christianity and we call that being saved. Now for me, all of those things are good. But it happens the right way around. is When you, when you stare at Jesus long enough, you start to become like him. And that's what Star and I, we, we've, we've had long chats with people about understanding your sin and your sinful nature, etc., etc. It's actually, I don't wake up in the morning with intent to sin. I know that I'm blood washed by God, loved by God, that this love of God is just pouring out upon me. And what it does inside of me, 
And it should inside of you, if you understand the gospel, is that it should just have a motivation of love. And then you start actually doing what God tells us to do. Go make disciples of nations. Go feed the poor. Go raise the dead. Heal the sick. All these kind of things. So there's no space to, to think, am I, am I pushing on the edge too much? Am I, am I, I've had a one, more, one too many wines. What, what about all these things? But because what starts to happen is you focus on Jesus who should satisfy every part of your life that all of these things begin to fade away. And I've seen it in many people's lives. And we need to teach people. We need to see, because some people genuinely don't know. A couple living together, unmarried, do not, guys. Bible speaks about honoring marriage. It's a good thing. Move away from each other. Don't stay together. Marriage bed should be honored by all. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. All these things, they need to be taught. But if it's without the motivation of Jesus inside of you, it starts becoming law. And if, if Jesus hasn't changed your heart and you try to tell people to do stuff, it's, honestly, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause rebellion. And I think we have to preach the gospel strongly first, that Jesus saves us. I've got a few. Um, there's a guy called Talian Chavidian. Who's heard of him? He wrote a book called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And he's basically saying that we cannot add anything to our salvation. We, can, we add to our relationship with God. Because now we've entered in from religion to now relationship. We can do stuff that we engage with the Father. And he says this, legalism says God will love us if we change. How many of you have ever thought that before? Okay. You can all, I mean, I'm admitting. Okay, there we go. Two. The rest of you are liars. Okay. But then the gospel says that God will change us because he loves us. When you trust Jesus, your identity and your worth is no longer based on what you can accomplish, but what Jesus has accomplished for you. Amazing. We have, I think, in the early days of being saved, who's been saved for a year or two? You need to camp in this place. You need to understand that you are loved by God. That, uh, that there's an author, Brendan Manning, he talks about that there's this furious love of God, this insatiable love of God. We heard a few weeks ago about the prodigal son, that no matter what you've done, you walk back to the Father, he's, he's got his arms wide open towards you. Legalism says, pursue holiness to make God happy with you. The gospel says, pursue holiness because God is happy with you. The, ooh, sorry. The law of God demands perfection. The gospel of God declares perfect all who trust in Jesus. There's a declaration made of your life. Ryan, Lauren, Ram Nushi, Connor. You are made and declared righteous through Jesus Christ. You cannot do anything to earn that salvation. It's, and I think that, that one phrase, by grace, through faith in Jesus, has changed the world. There's a, a Martin Luther in, in the Reformation. That was his thing that he said over and over and over. It's by grace through faith in Jesus. We cannot add to our salvation. Go read Galatians. Go read uh, this text that I'm going through now. And it says this. For we are the circumcision, that's us, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision. What's, there's been a circumcision that has happened in our hearts. It's not an outward physical thing. Jesus has come and changed us. When I got saved, my desires changed. There was a process where there was sanctification. We're becoming more like Christ and getting more desires of Christ. But the, in that moment, there was something that happened to me. I'm like, I'm different. And therefore, I have to act and live differently. And then Paul comes here, I can say a whole lot of, of stuff there. It says, um, 
Verse 4, it says, Though myself have reason for the confidence of the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, now in Jewish culture, that was the time to be circumcised. So he's starting from the beginning, he's saying, listen, he's fulfilled the law in every way. Of the people of Israel. Now there was always this elitist uh, understanding that, that was inbred into the people of Israel, where they couldn't even interact with outsiders, where they could only interact with, with, with Israelites. And it's the same today. Anyone who's been to the Holy Land, you'll see that there's, there's no interaction. There's almost an aggressiveness from the religious people towards Gentiles, to the point of, it says in the, in the Torah that you have to tuck your coat in when you walk in the market so you don't bump or touch anything that is unclean. And Jesus came and threw everything out there. He had a, he had a, he had a prostitute Come and wash his feet with, with perfect. I mean, it's just Jesus radically changed the view of what a rabbi was in those days. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Can we turn there quickly? Keep a finger in Philippians. says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Paul's writing here, and he's giving all of his credentials, and he's saying that he circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, which means it's an elite tribe, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal. Now the word zeal that he would understand is to love and hate at the same time. So it's to say that you love God, but to, to hate anyone who came against the Jewish religion. Um, a persecutor of the church, he held the coats when uh, Stephen was being stoned. Um, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So basically Paul's saying this. There were 613 things that you have to follow. Ceremonial law. Paul followed every single one of them. And then he says this. But whatever I gain, whatever gain I had... I count it as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The word there is dung. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Can we say that? It depends on faith. Depends on faith. Say it. Okay, it's not on our own works, it's faith in Christ Jesus. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in his suffering, become like him in his death, that by all means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. The message says it like this, it says, The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and I'm throwing them out with the trash. And it's, I, I know I've sat with people who consider themselves to be a little bit more elite Christian. And they, they try to throw in front of you that they've done all these things, but it actually is trash before Jesus Christ, before putting faith in Him. Okay, so I've got, how do we protect ourselves from becoming religious? Five quick points. Number one, be open to change. If you're taking notes, it's a good thing. Be open to change. 
Don't get stuck into a certain way in which you think about God. Don't put God in a box. Don't think you figured out the theology of God's omnipotence. Don't think that you figured out how God acts on this earth. Because at the end of the day, the Bible is the Word of God, but there's, there's a lot of mysteries that are in this Bible that we can't even get into now. We have to understand that God, He never changes, but He's revealing more of His character to us day by day. He reveals through nature, He reveals through His Word. You get the Logos Word, but then you get the Rhema Word, where this Word just jumps out at you, changes every single thing about you. His Word comes and changes you. Uh, God, is, God is constant and never changes. Practical. Don't think of a style of church as the cer- a certain way as the only way of doing church. That I think the gospel and the word never changes. The, his message of Jesus never changes. But the way we do it can change, can, can adapt to the city we're in. Be open to God changing you. Still on point one. Always keep a soft heart. I mean, for me, that's a simple thing. It's just, and I think people who get stubborn and stuck in their ways is people who don't have a soft heart towards the Father. And, and a soft heart towards His nudgings. And saying, do you know what? Just, just listen to me, my son, my daughter. Number two, have grace for others. This is how you don't become religious or a Pharisee. You have grace for others. Like I said in the beginning, we're all sinners saved by grace. Philippians 2 verse 3, which Rom taught on a while back. In humility, think of, uh, of others better than yourself. That's everyone. Not some people, think of others better than yourself. Take the log out of your eye before you take the stick out of someone else's. You must always, and that's not, not this place of like absolute humility that you do nothing, but it's, it's, it's understanding grace for others. Don't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. My mom always taught me that. Don't presume something about someone or, or make a, a quick assessment or judgment before you know the actual story. The moment you think you're better than someone else and you get irritated and you get irritated that they're not the same as you, that's when the religious spirit starts to set in. Another sign of being religious is when you're listening to a sermon you think, this is definitely for the person next to me. Religious. Third point, remain teachable. Not one person, not one church movement, not uh, one idea, or not one ministry has all, has all the answers. We need the whole body of Christ. We need to remain teachable. Never think that you've arrived. And I, I pray that one day when I'm in my 70s or 80s, I'm sitting down and there's a young guy, younger than me, 22 years old, and I'm learning from him. And I'm taking notes from him because it's, it's, God is not a respect of age. God used 12-year-olds to lead countries. We have to live in this place of always remaining teachable. Be more concerned about the state of your own heart. Number four, be more concerned about the state of your own heart. Than that of others. A religious spirit is always looking. It's always saying, but you're not right with God, but you're not right with God. But actually, if you look at yourself, you are actually not right with God. Number five, don't be critical. It's easier said than done because I think often people tend to think they have the, the right view on, stu- on stuff, but just don't be critical. It stops you from developing a religious spirit. Number six, final point keep an outflow. And uh, some of you would have, you know the story, but the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's no outflow. There's a river going in, but there's no river going out. Salt build up, it's whoever's been there, you, you float in the sea. It's amazing, it's cool. So it's, it's, it's the kind of a natural wonder that's happened. But um, 
It's the same with us. If we're not serving, giving, loving, pouring out, freely have received, freely give. Uh, and we've got a thing we're going to start in the new year called Be the Culture. So it's not depending on one or two people that are sitting in the front. But if, if you walk in this church and you think, oh, they're not that friendly, you be the culture. You be the culture of friendliness. You walk in and you say, yeah, the worship was a bit flat today. You be the culture of worship. So you stand up and you, you go, we had Vanessa, our friend here last week. She doesn't care what people think of her. She goes crazy in the corner. I thought, wow, our church needs that. I love that. I love that there's just this, there's this openness. There's just no inhibitions. It's just like I'm, I'm pouring out my heart before God. Oh, we don't see people say, oh, you be the evangelist. You're the one that bees the, be the culture. You're the one that invites friends. You're the, and that's the thing. The answer to what you want to see is inside of you. So there always has to be an outflow. Religion leads to death. Religion, and I think what often happens with religion is people just store up, store up, store up, store up, store up, and they don't do anything with what God has given them. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we, uh, we, just, we just think of this picture, God, that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. But you came and you gave us life. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, that it's not not through our own effort, but God, just through simply saying, Jesus, I surrender to you today. Can we all stand together? I feel that we need to publicly, in a place of just say, do you know what, today I fully surrender. Again, just say, Jesus, would you take over? So, Can you repeat after me? It's not a sinner's prayer, because a lot of you would have prayed that. But just just, just repeat after me. Father, today I surrender again. I give my life to you. I pray that you would make me radical for you. God, where I'm lacking faith, give me faith. Where I'm lacking peace, give me peace. Amen. Let's just keep our eyes closed. I really feel God wants to make a shift. He wants to make a shift in our minds from doing religious things, doing church, to being the church. So God has called us to be lights in the city. God has called us to to stand out above everyone else. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you for your word that molds us, that changes us. And just while everyone's eyes are closed, if you have never given your life to Jesus, could you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. We'll pray all together for you. But if you've never done that, even if there's a bit of an unsure in your heart, you're like, I can't remember if I did it. I don't know if my life's changed. You'll know if you've given your life to Jesus. And if you've never done that, could you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. That's great. And again, if there's anyone that needs prayer afterwards for anything, there's going to be uh, Stu Bridget, Ram Nushi, Bruce and Danae, whoever's sitting up front, Rams and I'll just to come for some prayer. So Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that as that song we sang, it just we can stand on you.
the solid rock, the solid foundation that is unwavering, it's unshaken. Let your word be unshaken in our lives. Father, I pray to this week that you would just interrupt people's lives in such a powerful way, Father. Would you come and, and speak in dreams, whether it's in visions, whether it's through the word, whatever it is, in times of prayer, Father, would you just come and just bring your change to your, to your people? Let us not relive religious lives. Let us live lives that are so radical, so passionate for you, Jesus. Let the shift happen now, God. Let it happen now in our lives. Thank you, Father.